if I send you a picture of a 110, 120-inch buck that I shoot, and before you even congratulate me, you say private or public, that's it, you're one of those guys. So don't be one of those guys. This podcast is brought to you by Creekside Wildlife, specializing in food plotting and habitat management for deer and turkey hunting. If you're ready to get started on improving your property to hold more game, then it's time to contact Creekside Wildlife. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Creekside Wildlife. All right, guys, we are back. This is episode 10 of the Creekside podcast, and we're rolling right through them. I mean, I've been been hearing that number 10 is the episode you got to get to once you once you hit then hit number 10, it's all downhill from here. So uh, that came right from Whitetail Distractions main man Charles. So we'll see if we can keep it rolling here. But um, before we get started here, we got a lot to talk about today. I just wanted to remind everybody to jump on our Instagram and social media channels at Creekside Wildlife. Um, we're going to be doing some hat giveaways, just some some other cool stuff going on on our social media accounts. Um, we got three or four guys running with cameras here this weekend for the opener in Pennsylvania's turkey season. Um, we're going to be starting to really pump out some YouTube videos here. So check out Creekside Wildlife on YouTube. Subscribe to that. Check out some of our older videos that we got on there. Um, just leave us some comments and just let us know if there's something you want to hear us talk about or, you know, videos you guys want to see. So uh, we're going to be doing a lot of things with that here in the, the upcoming months. So um, before we get started, I got a couple housekeeping things here. Um, we want to remind everybody that uh, back40seedcompany.com has given us a 10% off code for all of our listeners, and that is going to be Creekside10. So plug that code in at the end of your order and get 10% off. Um, we're getting right into the heart of planting season here. People are uh, pumping out some clover plots and um, just getting ready for food plot season. So check out our YouTube channel if you have any uh, interest in some food plots. We got some videos on there. We're going to be doing some more stuff this this coming planting season here throughout the summer months and into fall. So definitely check them out at back40seedcompany.com and use Creekside 10 for 10% off. Turkey season is in full force here in Pennsylvania and multiple states are nearing the end of their turkey season. But if um, you're looking for any last minute stuff, definitely check out cluckcustomcalls.com. They're a local company here to us in central Pennsylvania and they're doing some big things up there on the mountain. Uh, Nate and Brian have been working with me here for a little bit, uh, trying to teach me how to use a mouth call. I wouldn't say I'm proficient yet, but we're getting there. So um, jump on their website, check some some of their products out. They got tons and tons of turkey calls on there, some sweet apparel. Um, if you want to use Creekside 10 on there for 10% off, it'll save you a little money and uh, check them out. All right, we're going to get get right into this here uh i believe we got tyler on the line here he's out getting ready for tomorrow as well all right how's the weather looking out there it looks like we're in the middle of hurricane katrina but i wouldn't expect anything less for the opener of pennsylvania yeah how about it i think i might have to get my kayak out and i'm not going to be hunting anywhere near a river or lake tomorrow but it's looking like uh looking like it's going to be a wet one so. Yeah, it's typical. Every other state we've been to this year, I think it was uh, absolutely gorgeous for the openers. And here we go at our home state and bust out the ponchos because it's going to get wet. Yeah, it's just one of those things, though. I mean, it's, you know, it's like a holiday. It's opening day. Doesn't matter what the weather is and we're uh, we're going to be out there. Yeah, it'll just make things more interesting. Um, kind of used to it a couple years ago. I think it was 50 mile an hour winds raining sideways. So just nothing new. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the worst thing is, you know, this year we're, we're all running cameras. So you got to take that into account a little bit. Obviously we don't want to be dipping our cameras in puddles of water or, you know, filling our microphone ports up with rain. So definitely got to keep that in mind with your setup and stuff, but it looks like it might, uh, might be all, done and starting to wind down by the time daylight hits tomorrow so hopefully the birds are up and active after that 
Yeah, should be a good day. I mean, you got to take what you're given. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, unfortunately, it's looking like uh, the next five six days we got some form of precipitation about every day. So I'll be anxious to see how that affects the birds. And I mean, definitely they'll be out in some fields and stuff, but it's going to uh, going to add some challenge to the mix for sure. So you are already on the board. Yeah, I finally uh, decided to take the shotgun for a walk. <laughs> About time, yeah. This isn't usual for me. Um, we talked at the beginning of the year how we were going to commit to filming. You know, usually at this point, I'm running around rogue, state to state with my shotgun. But this was the first time I got to carry it. Um, it was a, it was, a, I mean, it was a challenging couple t- or a couple days there, opening weekend. You know, West Virginia comes in on a Monday, but we hunted the opening weekend. And um, <clears throat> me and Braden went out Thursday, and then me and Tanner went out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and constantly in turkeys. But, you know, we had this black cloud following us around that, you know, loved to put things in front of us that shouldn't be, whether it was deer, red fox, people. Um, you know, it was just, it was almost comical. I remember calling you guys and saying, you know, I'm just to the point where I'm laughing each time. I think we had six to eight opportunities where we had birds dead to rights and just some fluke deal happened and and screwed it up. But on the last day, Sunday morning, we ended up killing one. We actually had two dead. Um, our buddy Corey Benson was with us. Corey's the one I took his boy on youth day. And um, we both smashed birds at 15 yards and some crazy way his bird ended up getting up and soaring away and after watching the footage Corey clipped a tree and pretty much just sprayed the bird with splatter and uh it ended up getting up running and then flying so we're pretty confident the bird lived at first with not knowing what happened we thought for sure it was dead somewhere but after looking for about an hour scanning everywhere re-watching the footage we're pretty confident he lived so it was just a, just a picture perfect roost hunt uh, we were on the on the ridge that they wanted to be on and they pitched down and the sun was shining through their fans. And here they come marching down this beautiful trail. And I mean, I could have sat there without a shotgun and watched it over a hundred times. You know, I would say shooting them is the easy part. It's, it's enjoying everything up to it. And it, I wouldn't have needed a shotgun that morning. I could have sat there and just watched those birds come down that trail. And it was kind of a, a surreal end of West Virginia with how hard it was not necessarily hard how tough the circumstances were that we we endured there them couple days and uh my dad always says it you know i always text him when things are tough and he says you just got to keep going man you know how fast one bird can turn everything around and wasn't he telling the truth yeah yeah that seemed to be our theme this year though i'm i'm sort of nervous for pennsylvania you know if it if it rolls in (laughs) as tough as virginia and west virginia have been you know we're we're in for it here, but uh, I like to think uh, we at least have home field advantage and we, we have a little more information about the areas we're hunting and stuff. So I, I hope yeah, we have the upper hand. <laughs> I think we expected this coming in. I mean, we had talked at the beginning of the year and anybody that gets into filming, uh, specifically turkey hunts, you know, can attest to this. You got to accept that you're going to have failures due to camera equipment. I mean, all weekend in Virginia, I never carried a gun. I just stuck to filming. All weekend in West Virginia, Tanner didn't carry a gun, just stuck to filming. Like, we're so committed to this now that there have been some different situations where maybe if we didn't have to get it on film or didn't have camera gear, we're lugging around. You know, it might have been a different story. But, you know, we're also hunting public land. Um, we're not hunting relatively large pieces, kind of pieces that we've hunted in the past. And, you're going to have people. I mean, if you complain about public land pressure, then, I mean, you're just as big of a problem because you're hunting the public land as well. I mean, you're pressured to somebody else. So there's, you can't gripe and moan about public land pressure. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. It's public land. We're all owners of it and we all have the right to be there. So you just got to put your head down and, and hunt harder. I mean, yeah, it got frustrating this weekend running into so many people and having so many opportunities of turkeys that, people running in and doing things you probably shouldn't do when you turkey hunt, um, spooking the birds, but Hey, again, public land, that's, that's what you're going to run into, but that's also what makes it fun. If, if it was easy, I mean, I think everybody would do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're definitely 
handicapping ourselves with the camera, but I mean, it, it can definitely be done, but you know, it, it makes it that much sweeter whenever you get to sit there. And like you told me, you watched, watched your uh, West Virginia shot. How many times now it's just so nice to look back on that and, you know, relive that memory and, you know, just adds a whole nother element to your hunt. But, um, you know, you're definitely, uh, handicapping yourself by dragging, dragging that camera around, but yeah. And we're hoping, you know, coming into May now, um, that that black cloud has left us alone and, uh, we can get our swagger back, you know, we're rolling, rolling out of West Virginia with a kill and got a relatively good plan for the morning. Uh, a couple plans that we could use, but you know, we got this and then we got Oregon and Idaho after that. And then when we come back, I mean, it's the end of May. So this is really where we hit our stride. And, you know, like you said, we got four different camera crews across the state right now, finally, um, you know, a little late to the party, getting everybody set up and up to par. But I think these other guys seeing that me and Tanner could do it after all these years of running rogue on public, I think they realized, okay, we can do it too. And again, you know, talking to Russ, he's like, I would do anything to replay my Tennessee hunts this year. And like I told you, we've watched our kills over and over again. I couldn't tell you how many times, and that's without it even being edited into a film yet. These are just clips we're watching. But yeah, for sure, it's. Yeah, uh, I mean, going to be an exciting May. Yeah, I mean, you can attest to this a little bit. I mean, I I've been running the camera for a long time now, and I I don't know if I had to guess, probably filmed twenty or thirty turkey kills now, and um, I can confidently say that. I mean, I'm just as jacked up when that trigger goes off and I wasn't the one pulling it. I mean, you know, you're oh, absolutely, you know, essentially you're, you're part of the hunt, you know, pulling the trigger. We've said that many times. That's the easy part. I mean, you know, as a camera guy, you're, you're just as responsible, whether it's deer or turkeys. I mean, you could essentially screw the hunt up just as easy as the hunter could. So, I mean, you're, you're part of the hunt, whether you think that or not. And, you know, whenever, I mean, one could argue that, you know, you have a harder job because all the, all the hunter has to do is pull the trigger. You know, you, you got to be on that bird from the time he's visible till, till the shot goes off, you know, if you want to put together a good film. And I mean, every turkey I've ever filmed, you know, get shot. I've, I've been just as jacked up at the end of it for the, for the hunter as, as they probably were. So. Yeah. And if it's, if turkey hunting's to the point where, you have to be the one pulling the trigger all the time. I mean, hey, everybody's cut from a different cloth, but, and don't get me wrong, I used to be obsessed with pulling the trigger. But, I mean, as I've gotten older and gotten interest in the filming hunts, and me and Tanner, I mean, we've hunted together for probably seven, eight years now, strictly together. I mean, if he's in the woods, I'm in the woods with turkey season. And um, it's to the point where it's so nice because neither of us care as long as somebody's killing that turkey and we're a part of it, like so many opportunities where, you know, typically the last couple of years it's fallen in my favor. Just, I don't know how, where Tanner's up the bat and the bird somehow gets around them and presents me a shot. And it's just like, not once have either of us ever got mad, frustrated, you know, didn't show emotion. It's just, you got to find people to hunt with like that because if you're hunting with people that all they care about is pulling the trigger and they get mad if you shoot, I mean, Anybody can shoot a turkey. There's five-year-olds shooting a turkey, and there's Mr. Fox in his upper 90s shooting turkeys. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, even Chase killed two this year so far. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just I like being part of the hunt. My personal thing is I like calling, even though I'm filming. I'm still I'm still calling. So the exciting part of turkey hunting for me is communicating with those birds and just just getting to watch them. Yeah, and this applies for turkeys, you know, and waterfowl. Even I mean. Uh, I just like the the social part of it. I mean, you know, waterfowl probably more so than turkeys. But um, if if I had to pick, I'm I'm hunting with somebody. I mean, you know, not that I'm afraid of the dark or don't like to be in the woods alone. But like, I've shot you know my fair share of turkeys on my own, and it's just it's just not the same as you know having your buddy or your dad or your grandfather or whoever it may be, you know, sitting there beside you and high fiving and you know, last year I shot my first long beard with a bow and just worked out that I was by myself and, and it was awesome. But it, you know, when you, when the dust settles, you know, you're kind of just 
looking around for someone to high five or, you know, first thing I did was get on the phone and call my dad and tell him about it. But, you know, I just, I think that, you know, being with somebody is definitely adds another element to it. So. Yep. And that's why I think waterfowl hunters are so attracted to turkey hunting and not, um, not so much like deer hunting because although I love after work sitting in a tree and just, you know, just relaxing, it's just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy of camaraderie. I love sharing hunts with folks and laughing and smiling. And, you know, Tanner kind of keeps me in, in line a lot during turkey season because I'll basically bounce a crazy idea off him and he'll tell me if I'm losing my mind or if, if we're good to go on it. So <laughs> anybody that hunts with us always laughs. They're like, you two are like older brother and younger brother. Just, you know, it may sound like we're bickering or disagreeing, but even you know, when you get somebody that you understand how each other works, that's, it's kind of weird when you're by yourself. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we were having that discussion about, you know, hunting with different people the other day. Um, in my filming career, I, I did get the opportunity to hunt with a lot of different people and, and it's, it's interesting, but also it can be a little tough at times. You know, you only have a few days to hunt. You kind of got to read how the other person hunts, you know, their style may be different than yours and, and you kind of got to adapt on the fly and, and just, you know, figure out how to mesh with the person. Um, but, uh, definitely, like you said, it's nice to have that, that go-to you know, hunting partner and, and, uh, mesh with them and kind of makes things, makes things easier for the whole hunt. For sure. And you get to share memories for a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about opening day. Um, by the time this airs, it will either be opening day or possibly Sunday. So we may, we may have already posted some trophy picks, hopefully if we're lucky, but, um, what, what's your strategy going into this? So at this point it's supposed to be rainy and or cloudy and overcast, um, not ideal weather for, you know, running and gunning with a camera or whatever, but, um, what's your, what's your plan going to be for Saturday? So, uh, so we don't really get too worked up. I mean, it's Pennsylvania, it's your home turf. You're hunting the same area that you've kind of been hunting most of your life. So, you know, We've been dri- Tanner's been driving around the last couple of days. I've been down south at work. Um, his job ended early, so he's been driving around and just kind of dropping pins where birds have been in field since it's been kind of rainy and the same weather is gonna gonna stick with us here tomorrow. So, you know, you like to say that birds are gonna probably do the same type of deal. So, you know, he's been listening where we plan on hunting, making sure our birds haven't moved, and then, you know, basically just putting miles on, driving around, dropping pins on on green fields with turkeys and. Um, getting a bunch of permission so we have you know multiple plans we don't have to wait for a landowner to wake up or go talk to him the day of you know we're, we got the green light so we're good to go um situations like that we don't really like shooting them in the fields i mean don't get me wrong we've shot a lot of turkeys in fields and killed them like that but uh we just had this conversation me and you did before the podcast that just something about calling them in through the hardwoods that just gets the blood flowing i mean last year me and tanner or tanner shot a bird in a field um i called one up to the edge of a field but shot him in the woods but it's just something about the hardwood hunting i don't know if it's just the way i grew up or uh this and that but you know in these elements you gotta you gotta adapt to the circumstances and you can still you can still be in the woods and you know move slowly slowly but if there's high winds and rain you're not going to be able to hear as far so it's going to be tough but you can still hunt that way, but I would say just off turkey knowledge and what people do in Pennsylvania, that there's going to be a lot of folks um, field hunting tomorrow and maybe driving around mid morning, checking their properties and, you know, making moves off birds that, that have been pretty routine in fields and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, Russ up there, he's been watching birds every day in the same field and he told me this morning they disappeared on him so (laughs) yeah it seems like that was the case for a lot of folks today up our way um the birds we've been listening to they they moved almost a couple thousand yards um jj's birds they all disappeared he's had four that he's been listening to he texted me or called me this morning they're gone uh russ's bird he was watching they moved 
Um, Cullen's bird that he was going to plan on hunting tomorrow, it's gone. Well, yeah. that's good because they've already – them three have shot a half a box of <laughs> shells already. It's time they just take a seat and let us play for a while. <laughs> it just goes back to what we've talked about for how many weeks now is having all these – you know, having multiple plans and them guys will be more than fine. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of birds this year, and I think next year is even going to be a more impressive year with the amount of jakes and super jakes we've been seeing around um, – you can definitely tell there was two hatches last year. There was an early hatch and then a, a late summer or midsummer hatch. So, I mean, I'm excited. I think the people of Pennsylvania should be excited. Um, I know we've had really good seasons the last couple of years, but there's been a lot of folks where they've, you know, folks hunt the same properties routinely. Some of them aren't as crazy about turkeys as we are. And uh, I know a lot of people saying that they haven't had turkeys the last couple of years. And, you know, like we've talked about, it's due to habitat, predators, just just bad breeding season, stuff like that. So I think the people of Pennsylvania should be really excited for this year and next year because um, based off driving around, listening, trail cams, talking to folks, it looks like it looks like bird numbers are, are stabilizing again. Oh, yeah, I can, I can attest to that here in my area. I mean, we have a lot of ag country here that we hunt, and, I mean, I'm behind my spotting scope for a lot of the mornings here the last month pretty much, but – uh, or ever since we got back from Virginia, but um, we're we're seeing a lot of birds. I mean, I hope we have some success, but I mean, it shouldn't be hard to at least be near some turkeys here in the next few days. But it doesn't seem like the the numbers are numbers are down at all. But we are seeing some weird stuff that I can't say I saw in the past. Be interested to hear from any of our listeners if they're seeing the same thing, but. In, here in the last like two weeks i've been seeing a lot of groups of gobblers like early in the mornings you know that it's, that could be typical in the afternoon or whatever you know have some groups of long beards you know flocked up you know maybe looking for a hen or all the hens are on the nest or whatever but um a couple days this week i've seen five six long beards together like right off the roost and, and just no hens in sight so i don't know if there's any any rhyme or reason to that if anybody else is seeing that but that's just been five or six different properties that i've looked at have have had something similar to that so you i don't know, know what that is just Mike? A fluke what's that's that something you don't complain about i know <laughs> that's i don't want to sound like i'm complaining about all these all these not hend up gobblers so i just uh don't recall in the past seeing that so yeah, definitely not complaining about that. <laughs> yeah, speaking on that, that's something I actually strongly remember. Um, back probably when I was about 13 through 17 hunting around home is so many times that I run into flocks of, of two-year-olds that were six, seven, eight long beards deep and with no hens. I mean, multiple occasions. There was one time Tanner called in seven long beards to me, seven strutters across the field. They had one hen. And then another time I called seven long beards into him with no hens um, in a totally different block of woods. And I haven't got to experience that since, like I said, probably early high school. And it's so, so good to hear that coming from you, you know, being in Pennsylvania as well, that, that these big flocks of gobblers are back because that means, that means the numbers are, uh, are creeping back up our way. Yeah. I have a, particular farm that we lease about half hour from here and we watched five long beards fly down together and they worked off you know towards the other end of the neighbor's property and it wasn't a half an hour later we had three long beards on a cell camera at the far other end of the field so you can confirm that they're different birds so there's eight long beards in this one field within you know the first hour and a half of daylight so um my buddies, Will and George, that are on the lease with me are going to be after them in the morning. So I'll be uh, checking my phone every five minutes to see how they're doing out there. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot of wet chickens tomorrow. Oh, yeah. From a photography standpoint, you know, you know how it went in uh, Virginia when Tanner shot his bird. I, I put him through a hour-long photo session, but I don't know how tomorrow's going to be. They're going to, they're not going to look the prettiest, so might, uh, get some use out of my leaf blower and hanging it up in the barn for a while to dry till we get some good pictures to do it justice. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll worry about getting one on the ground before I start talking about what poses we're going to do. Cause 
you know, as everybody knows, you can, you can have weeks and weeks worth of scouting and knowledge and everything. And then opening day comes and you can just crumble that up and throw it right in the trash can. Something different wants to happen. So turkeys are going to do what turkeys want to do. So that's what makes it fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, our strategy tomorrow, I think we're going to be getting a little different weather than you guys. Um, at the moment, it's looking like we're going to be still in the, you know, moderate to heavy rain right at daylight. So, um, we're probably going to be sitting in a ground blind at least until the rain lets up enough. Um, not my favorite. I mean, you always feel like you're missing something when you're in a blind, but, um, it's, we're just, we're hunting birds in an area that they've been fairly patterned the last few days. And, uh, you know, with the camera, um, I'm going to be filming my dad and my girlfriend. Um, she's, this will be her second year turkey hunting. She shot her first bird last year. Um, so, you know, we got a new hunter, we got my dad, we're going to hopefully try to get at least one, but potentially two. We, we're going to be hunting a flock of uh, there's been three or four long beards hanging out together, so hoping to get on them. But um, you know, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna sit in the blind for a little bit in the morning, at least if the uh, weather lets up and we we do have a chance to get out of there. We're definitely definitely would rather run and gun. You know, we got a, a small block of some beautiful looking timber that these birds have been going into whenever they leave the field. So. Um, if we don't have any luck right away off the roost, we're going to be, uh, running over to that timber and hopefully get something going, but, um, definitely not opposed to being in a blind if, uh, the weather keeps us in there. So too much camera gear that I don't really want to get soaking wet in the morning. So we'll see. We got a couple different options, a couple different strategies. And, you know, like we talked before, whatever, whatever way works, as long as it's legal, we're going to give it a shot and hopefully we can, uh, get some footage for everybody. So, but yeah, that reminds me of a, uh, a post here I saw and, uh, I, I was listening to a podcast, um, give a shout out to, uh, Daniel at the, uh, part-time hunter podcast. Um, we've been talking a little bit back and forth here and, uh, he did a, did a social media rules and regulations or something like that. I think social media, turkey hunting rules. Um, the post came off of, um, Jason Heathco on Instagram. So shout out to him. Um, thanks for letting us steal your little post here, but, um, you know, we just wanted to go through this. I mean, we've been talking about all the controversy and, you know, whether it be social media or just turkey hunting in general. And, there's a couple things on this list that uh, it was funny to see that we're not the only ones that that talk about this, but um, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> a lot of these are just, you know, overly exaggerated jokes. But there's a lot of a lot serious to this. For some reason, the turkey hunting world has a lot of controversy. Would you agree? <laughs> You know, if you'd asked me this five years ago, I'd have said, what are you talking about? But today, I've never seen any. It's almost as bad as waterfowl hunting. Yeah, and and it blows my mind. I mean, like, I mean, I get it. You know, social media is the best and worst thing that's happened, you know, to the human race, I guess. You know, if, if it's used correctly, it's an amazing tool for, you know, just keeping in touch with friends and family, promoting your business, this and that, you know, but, but it can also be terrible thing for society. So, I mean, you know, a couple of these things we wanted to, to run through here and, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't try to cancel us or whatever for bringing up some of these opinions, but, uh, we'd love to hear what everybody else has to say in the comments or send us a DM on Instagram or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, give us your take on some of this stuff, but you know, the, the, the main thing I'm thinking here is, you know, we have enough people and enough organizations against turkey hunting or just hunting in general. Like we're, we don't need to go out and argue and fight and, you know, divide the hunting community up any more than other people are already 
trying to from the outside in. But, I mean, what's your thoughts on that, Tyler? Yeah, I I totally agree with you. But I also think some of these folks need to relax. Um, I think the biggest divide is between the folks that have turkey hunted their entire life and the folks that are coming in making quote-unquote content and doing things the 2023 way that that anger the folks that have been hunting hunting and respecting turkeys for a long long time um i know for me some of the stuff i see on social media is unbelievable things people are are doing and let alone posting um you know it's a it's a touchy subject especially i mean i have i mean i've been turkey hunting i think my dad took me when i was like six years old but it's never been this popular before and it's grabbed so much attention and with the popularity of, of YouTube and content creators, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that have never done Turkey content, but now they're using it to fill the void for their fall content. We talked about this before, you know, you have a channel, you don't want to have months and months with no content. And it seems like some of these folks are using this Turkey season and picking it up and although they can you know they can use it just like we can but some of their tactics go against quote-unquote beliefs or quote-unquote the right way of turkey hunting and uh it causes a lot of controversy yeah for sure i mean you know it doesn't matter what you do there's always someone on social media that that thinks that you know their way is the the end all be all way and if you don't do it their way you're doing it wrong and i mean anyone that's listened to our podcast you know even just this episode i mean you and i have talked about different ways that we've hunted and i think we've covered you know damn near every strategy that you can think of you know whether it be ground blinds over decoys or, you know, public land running and gunning with, you know, just leaning against a tree or, you know, field edges with decoys or, you know, whatever, whatever might be the case. Um, I would say our group is pretty well rounded as far as our tactics. And I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, we're going to do what we, what we need to do for that particular situation. And um, I'm not opposed to running gunning with, you know, no decoys. But if I have a situation where I know I can, you know, sit up on a field edge and put my Jake decoy out and I'm going to have that long beard run in and beat up my decoys, then, you know, that's going to look great on camera and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. But I just, it just blows my mind how many people, you know, argue with that. And, you know, I'm not telling anybody how they have to hunt. So I, I don't think they should have any opinion on how I do it you know as long as it's legal more power to you yeah and there's a couple things I think all turkey hunters agree you you shouldn't do and that's one never shoot one off off the limb never shoot one off the roost I mean total disrespect to the bird and animal if you're that hungry give us a call we'll buy you a butterball from Walmart Um, another thing is trespass I mean don't trespass don't go on the land you're not supposed to I know it's always a joke he gobbles three times. It's God's country now, you know, this and that. There's millions of landowners out there that will happily give you permission. You know, don't don't give turkey hunters a bad rep by by trespassing. And, you know, that guy might be at work and he might want to hunt that turkey Saturday with his with his kid. And now you just trespassed and, and shot it out of his field. But, yeah, I, I mean, um, we deal with this in waterfowl a lot. You know, we knock on doors constantly and, you know, turkey hunting as well, like, not every landowner that you knock on their door is going to greet you with a shotgun and kick you off their property. I mean, I, I would say that's a, you know, one out of 50 that a guy doesn't want anybody on his property, you know, whether he lets you hunt there or not, that's different. But we've talked to a lot of landowners that, you know, will tell you nicely that they don't want to allow you to hunt there. We'll stand there for 10, 15 minutes and just have a, a normal conversation. And, you know, a lot of times, their conversation goes a little bit like this and they say, I would, but so-and-so did this, you know, years ago and, and 
to make it even, you know, we just don't allow it anymore. And, you know, there's, there's so many farms for waterfowl and turkeys that we run into that somebody else, you know, took advantage of it and, you know, drove, drove through a field when it was muddy or just, just, you know, did something dumb and essentially ruined it for everybody. But that seems to be a common theme for us. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just crazy what social media can do. Social media is so cool. Social media allows you to, you know, see people hunting in different areas and meet different people and open up new doors of opportunities. But if you let it get to you and you let it absolutely tear into your mind and, you know, take over your life, it'll, it'll make you miserable. I mean, you know, I see a lot of guys, a guy specifically I follow on Instagram is copper plated sixes. He's one of the funniest Instagram pages ever. And he just puts social media hunters on blast that do things that are so foolish and so silly and give hunters such an awful name and an awful look. And, you know, yes, it causes a lot of controversy, but some of the stuff he posts on there, he probably shouldn't like, he doesn't really hammer folks for hunting over decoys. He doesn't hunt over decoys, but you know, it's the reaping. He absolutely destroys people that, that reap turkeys. And that's probably the number one controversial topic. You know, it's one thing to, to sit in a field edge with decoys, call bird up to the field and it come into the decoys. Totally different than that bird's outsmarted you. That bird's outwitted you all year. He's out in the field. You, now you get the fan and you crawl to him and, you know, it's an instinct thing. It sparks a, you know, it sparks something inside their head that they can't resist. And now they're crawling up to you and you're shooting it at five steps and Hey, whatever, like I said, if, if that's what you want to do and that's legal in your state, that's fine. But that is what's causing the controversy in this community. I think number one, that and number two would be putting the public land um, Turkey spots on blast and ruining places that people have hunted for, for years and years. Yeah. I mean, back on the, the reaping thing, I mean, well, all of these here, you know, I always like to try to look back at, you know, the 10,000 foot view of, of each of these topics. And I like to play, you know, devil's advocate and look at it from both sides before I, you know, make a, make a decision which side I land on, you know, and, and most of these, you can argue, you know, the whole way back to, you know, the stone age with them, if you want, as far as, you know, what's right and what's wrong. But, um, you know, like reaping, for instance, I've, I've never done it. I've never hunted, you know, in a state that could do it. Do I think it's cool? I guess kind of, I mean, I think I would want to do it one time and then probably from that point on, I would never do it again. It's almost like one of those things you haven't done it. So I want to try it, but overall, I think it could definitely be a problem. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize on any of this stuff. They, they don't, they look at their own situation, their own property, maybe their own, you know, County, but they don't look at like what some of this stuff could impact, you know, over the whole course of their state or, you know, region that they're hunting in or whatever. But I mean, if, if everybody in you know the County that I live in was reaping turkeys, we'd probably have a lot less turkeys in the area. I mean, the biggest thing I hear every year is, Pennsylvania season's too late. They're going to be done. They're going to be done breeding by the time, you know, our season starts. Well, that's by design. If everybody in Pennsylvania could hunt turkeys the second week of April, they would fill both of their tags every single year. And within a few years, we wouldn't have any turkeys left. So I, I like to like to look at both sides of the story and, and see what, you know, what everybody has to say before I, make my educated decision but uh unfortunately on social media people start typing before they listen to all the facts and uh that's why you get so much you know backlash from certain things here but um before we go any further i'm just going to read these out because some of these are hilarious uh again this is from jason heath co uh his instagram page uh the 2023 social media turkey hunting rules rule number one no decoys unless you have them more than 21.3 yards away. Like I said, with decoys, I've used decoys, you've used decoys. Pretty much a majority of folks use decoys. There's nothing wrong with it. We use decoys all waterfowl season. 
Um, guys like the hunting public use decoys in deer season. Like I spoke spoke my mind about it earlier. If you're using decoys to give you an advantage in hunting and you're not crawling behind a fan, I don't think there's any controversy in it. Um, some folks may believe it's against traditional beliefs and the traditional turkey hunter strictly yelped gobblers up. Hey, that's, I'm sure a lot of old folks believe that. I also know a lot of older turkey hunters in their 70s and 80s that have their own tactics. I know my grandpa used to use a tactic where he tied fishing line to a fan and when a gobbler would, uh, you know, enter the woods near him, he'd pull the string and the fan would stand up and then he'd lay it back down and he'd stand it back up. I mean, there's so many different tactics that uh, decoys are, I think decoys are 100% fine. I don't think they give you any more advantage than a good caller. Um, Obviously, good calling takes a lot more expertise, a lot more time, a lot more practice, but decoys also don't work 100% of the time. I would say decoys work around 70 to 80% of the time. Um, depending on the setup, depending on the decoy you got, depending on the type of bird you have. So I don't have an issue with decoys. We proved that on youth day. Um, we'll be releasing some of that footage here soon. Uh, we had a long beard come out into the edge of a food plot and, you know, one could say that a ground blind with a decoy is, you know, one of the easiest ways to, to kill a turkey, but we had a long beard come out at 75 yards and, and he stood there and kind of half strutted at our Jake and hen decoy setup. He did not come any closer than that. And, and it just something about that bird. He just didn't want to commit to it. So, um, like you said, it's not, you know, it's not an advancement that is a guarantee, I guess. Um, but any of these things, you know, someone could say using decoys is too easy, but, that same person might be using their phone to map out the area they're in, you know, or using trail cameras to pattern the turkeys or, you know, literally all this stuff could go back to, you know, the, like I said, the stone age, you know, if the, however the Indians hunted with their stick bows, you know, you get the, the crossbow compound debate, you know, the, the compound guys think the crossbow is too easy, but they don't realize that, before compounds, there was a longbow, you know, and it just, you could literally talk for hours and hours about all this stuff. And, and, uh, it just basically talk yourself in circles about all this different advancements and stuff. So number two on here is don't shoot a turkey too close or too far. And that kind of goes back to the TSS conversations that we've had. Um, don't shoot TSS, a red dot, or any other moderate advancement, but use of a smartphone and mapping is okay. And it also has dude wipes instead of toilet paper are a possibility, but must get it approved first. So TSS is a very hot topic these days. And, uh, you know, like anything else, our goal is to shoot them at 20 yards, right? I mean, you know, not a, not not everyone's using TSS to extend their range. I mean, it a hundred percent will do that. Now I, I mean, if your goal is to shoot a Turkey at a hundred yards and just go to West Virginia or Virginia, where you can use rifles and just do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there's so many more benefits to TSS other than, than your, your distance. I mean, it's, it's more ethical. TSS is just, a, it's just a, it's a better shell. It gives you the best chance at, cleanly harvesting that bird i mean tss i don't think tss is nearly as controversial as it was three years ago because when tss first come out the whole idea of it was to extend the range for a turkey hunter and nobody that was a turkey hunter really wanted to do that um there are folks that yeah i can shoot 80 90 okay awesome man that's that's cool but why you know what i mean like all our buddies that shoot TSS, whether they're um, Apex, whether they're Federals, whether they're Handloads, Foxtrot, I mean, whatever. Everybody's doing it because it's the best pattern and the best chance at ethically killing that turkey. I mean, I, we've all killed so many turkeys with Winchester XRs or double Xs or Remington Nitros. But, like, it's just the facts are in the pudding. If you go out 
I would say beyond 20 yards, I mean, you're going to get a better pattern. You're going to get a denser pattern. You're going to have more um, momentum and inertia going with the TSS tungsten BBs than you are lead. It's just, it's facts and yes, expensive, but it's not meant to be used to, to shoot 80 yards. I mean, I would say everybody's goal is to have the best pattern they can at 40 yards. I think that's a pretty general, general distance that everybody patterns their gun at. So I'm going to spend the extra money to have the better pattern. And, you know, you're not always perfect too. You, you can accidentally body shot their body shoot turkeys. You know, you're not always going to hit them right in the head. So, you know, getting something like a tungsten TSS, I think it's just, it's just, if you're doing it the right way, it's more respect to the bird because it's it's giving you the best opportunity to cleanly harvest that turkey. Yeah. I mean, the the biggest argument you see on, on social media with that is, you know, that's not worth it to, to spend all that money. You know, I, I shoot them with my, you know, Remington high brass that I got at Walmart. Well, that's obviously, you know, everybody's goal to shoot them close. But, you know, that would be like arguing that, shooting a mechanical broadhead or any broadhead is, you know, unnecessary because the Indians used a piece of, you know, flint on the end of their arrow. I mean, it's, it, you know, we're not telling everybody they need to go out and spend 50 bucks on a box of TSS, but you know, I like to know that when I'm pulling the trigger that I have the, the most accurate and ethical setup to put that bird down as quickly and humanely as possible. And it's, you know, no more than that. So, yeah. And a lot of folks will argue, well, why don't you just get the bird in closer? And yeah, <laughs> Hey, I don't have an argument for that. You know, no. just, I mean, doesn't I like, it doesn't always it. work that way, but yeah. It, yeah. I, I like shooting as close as I can get them. I mean, there's some yeah. days we just call them in and watch them before we shoot them. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. you said earlier, if, if pulling the trigger is what you're worried about in turkey hunting and any hunting really, then you're doing it for the wrong thing. And uh, there's just situations where you call a bird and you've worked your freaking butt off for four days straight, hiking 20, 30 miles of mountains. And if he's at 40 yards and it's a clean shot, I'm, I want to be confident that I'm going to kill that Turkey. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, for sure. There's it's okay to let the Turkey win, but it's also okay to give yourself the best chance and the most ethical um, chance at killing that Turkey. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't used a 12 gauge for a number of years now, but in, in my opinion, I would say I shot pretty decent patterns with just the old heavy shot Magnum blend or the long beard XRs out of my 12 gauge, um, you know, 40, 50 yards. I was holding a, a good pattern that, you know, if I needed to, I think would probably kill a Turkey at 50 yards. Um, so in, in my case, I, I don't shoot TSS out of my 12 gauge, but where I think it definitely came a long way in the last few years here is with the four tens and 20 gauges. I mean, if you'd have told anybody five years ago that you'd be using a four ten for turkeys shooting number nine shot, they would have been like, you're on some serious drugs, man. But I know plenty of people that are knocking them down left and right with a, a four ten now. And, and it definitely, that's where I think TSS definitely was a big, you know, help. It brought the four tens and the twenties up there to a, you know, pretty remarkable level when it comes to effectively killing turkeys. And, and this M220 gauge that I got here, I think it will probably even be my new favorite turkey weapon. I don't know that my 12 gauge will ever come turkey hunting again. So. Yeah. After lugging, uh, my, 28 inch 12 gauge super black eagle around for how many years up mountains and down valleys and through thorn bushes i finally pulled the trigger on a af3 which we could do a whole episode on different guns and setups but i know a lot of buddies that are shooting the Franke affinity threes and 20 gauge tss i'm shaving about three and a half four pounds off my setup and it's gonna be nice <laughs> oh dude 100 percent like if I go grab my Benelli, my 20 or my 12 gauge, I'm sorry, out of my gun counter right now, it'll feel like it weighs 50 pounds because I haven't picked it up other than hunting geese lately. And it, it's so much different how, how, uh, 
how much lighter and easier and compact it is to, to throw that 24 inch M2 around. It's so nice. And I, I definitely haven't sacrificed any, any range. I mean, I'm, I'm shooting as far as I need to with the 20 as I ever had with my 12. So, but all right, let's move on to the, probably one of the most divided, at least what I can see on social media is private versus public land. <laughs> I feel like we probably could do a whole podcast on that, but I, I mean, think it's the biggest joke of that whole list in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the hunting public probably started, you know, the, the biggest wave of the public land stuff. And I mean, they're, they're awesome guys. They're great at what they do. And, and they, you know, that's, I, I tell people that all the time. That was a awesome business move for those guys. They, they crushed it and, you know, doing what they're doing, but it, it's becoming, I don't know what, I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> there, there's just like this cult almost with public land hunters to where there's a, you know, not all of them. This is, none of this is, you know, talking about the entire public land or private land hunting population, but there's just this group of guys that, well, the easiest way to, to explain this is if, if I send you a picture of a, you know, 110, 120 inch buck that I shoot. And before you even congratulate me, you say private or public, that's it. You're one of those guys. So same don't be thing one goes of those for guys. A dead, Same thing goes for a dead turkey anymore. I mean, I like when our buddies go out of state and this and that, and we send pictures back and forth, we ask each other, but it's not out of like degrading, like, oh, Russ shot his bird on private down in Tennessee, not public. It's just curious to see what they had to do to, to get it done. You know what I mean? Like, who cares? You know how many times we've been out of state on public land and, you know, where's all the birds usually at? Right around the public. You know what we do? We start knocking on doors. Do you get told no 70% of the time? Absolutely. Right the, you mean right around the private, right? Right the private land right around the public land. That's where the yeah, birds okay. I got typically you. get pushed to. So where do you start knocking on doors is where you hit that line. You tell yourself, man, if I could get on that, well, do something about it. I mean, we did it in West Virginia this year. We, you know, found birds on private, knocked on the door, got permission, killed them the next day. Who cares where you kill the turkey at? You're not any better of a hunter if you kill it on public and, or private because I have hunted some of the most stubborn hard-headed turkeys on private land that nobody can hunt and i have found some of the absolute dumbest love-struck gobblers on private or on public land across the country and you could not get me into an argument where i could i would agree with you that public lands that public land is a bigger achievement no and i think turkeys compared to deer i mean you could argue that you know patterning a big buck on private land is is easier than public i mean again we could talk in circles with this forever but um i feel like turkeys you know is more of a level playing field and i don't know the more i talk about that might not even be the case but i agree with you like i've hunted some turkeys on public land that were like you know from the time they wake up they just wanted to die but then I have farms that, you know, I'm the only person that's allowed to step foot on those and they're loaded with turkeys and sometimes they just don't want to be killed and they're the hardest things to hunt. And so it, it literally doesn't make you any better or worse if you shoot one on public land versus private land. No. And if you want to be somebody that challenges yourself to continuously, you know, harvest animals on public, then <laughs> great. I mean... It, you shouldn't be out there to impress others. You should be out there to fulfill your excitement of being in the outdoors and having the, you know, the right in America to, to hunt. I mean, I say it all the time and I see Cage down in Arkansas say it all the time, you know, thank God for turkey hunting. It's, I say it every time I get to go, especially after we kill one. It's just, thank God for the ability to, to chase these freaking birds all across the country and be able to plan trips with friends and families and 
you know, go have fun. It's not always about killing. It's, you know, it's the trip. It's the, I I think my biggest thing is the adventure. Um, You never know what you're going to get into. You just have no idea what's, what's around the next corner. It's not like a, you know, like a vacation you plan with your family, you know, you know, you're going to the beach, you know, you're doing this, you know, you're eating dinner here. It's like, you go out West or you go anywhere in the country, Turkey hunting, you might think you're going to start here and end here, but you could end up seven hours one way, 10 hours the other way. You could run into your new best friend. You could run into people that open doors for you in the outdoor industry or open doors for you to go hunt different States. Like just go out and hunt, man. I'm so tired of, of these just everybody comparing themselves to each other and everybody sizing each other up and it's just so annoying anymore i think you know i, I look at these older generation of turkey hunters and they just got to be laughing at these folks these days i mean it's embarrassing and it's not just turkey hunting it's we're just talking about it now because it's the time of the year but when you get to waterfowl hunting i personally think it's worse then you get to deer hunting i mean jesus don't even get me started on deer hunters <laughs> oh my yeah you yeah, know we'll have I mean. that talk later, but I I just sent you the picture yesterday of my my buddy's trophy box, and uh, he was pulling a couple bucks out of there, you know, three points, spikes, four points, just just little what people would call a scrub buck. And boy, I remember seeing pictures, you know, of, of my dad when he was younger and my pap when he was younger, and you know they're standing there with a uh, you know truck bed full of spikes and four points from him and his him and his brothers and and they had the biggest smile on their face and they were happy as could be and boy you post that on social media today you'll get ripped apart for it some of our favorite hunts i mean i shot 150 inch deer a couple years ago and it's not even private or public yeah yeah <laughs> thanks for asking but it's not even, i wouldn't even say it's top three on my memories of deer hunting i mean one of my favorite memories just came from this past year when I never even shot anything. It was just the night where Tanner was with me. He had shot a buck. We had a bunch of freaking beautiful bucks fighting and walking between us and grunting. And, you know, it, it's not always about the kill. And it's, it's just so frustrating to see people get lost in that. And, you know, Hey, if you get excited, I get excited to post photos and share it with family and friends. You know, I love posting. i People laugh at people like me and you, you know, how long do we take to get beautiful photos of these birds or deer, or, you know, pile photos and waterfowl hunting because we respect the animals and we just want to show them off to the world. But it's just like, man, it's just crazy to me how some people are. And I, I get worked up about it because, you know, you can easily get caught up in it these days. And I'm very fortunate to surround myself with, you know, friends and family that, that don't hunt that way, you know, that, that don't share those traits of being pissed if they don't end up killing or being pissed off because we're not hearing anything, you know, it's just, Hey, put a smile on your face, lay some boots up. Let's go. You know, we, they're over the next mountain. That's what me and Tanner always says. Hey, they're over the next mountain. Let's get to it. And one bird can change everything. Yeah. People, I mean, the phrase, you know, chasing the likes is sounds funny, but it it's, it's pretty, pretty true. I mean, people get caught up in the, you know, how many people are going to like their photo and, and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, you know, we're probably guilty of it as well. You know, we, we do a lot on social media for, for our page and our businesses and that sort of stuff. And, you know, it, it just gets to the point where you got to step back and, you know, I've been on hunts that I've filmed and probably myself guilty of it as well Is you know, the, the trigger's been pulled for less than a few minutes first thing you're doing is, you know, getting your phone out to take pictures and get it up on social media. And sometimes you just gotta, you know, step back and just enjoy the moment. And, you know, your followers per se, will will see it when they see it kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of times me and Tanner kill a Turkey. Um, and those that are with us, we, we keep a piece of paracord in our, in our vest with a loop on each end and we'll tie that bird up to a limb and we'll hang them, and we'll just sit there. I mean, smoke it, a cigar. No, we do not smoke cigars. You know, <laughs> try to try to make our own uh, own way of doing things, not just following others. But yeah, the way Dave Owens does things. I mean, we've done it for years. It's just, you know, when when the game finally ends, it's just it's so cool to sit there with that bird and just respect them and 
just think back on it and tell the story, even though you all two or three of you just re or just lived that that hunt, you still relive it minutes afterwards, days afterwards, weeks afterwards. And I don't know, those are some of my favorite moments in the woods is hanging them birds up, sitting under them. Typically it's the mid morning ones where we kill and we know the day's over because God knows if we're killing one off the roost, that bird isn't getting hung up till later in the morning because we got another one to go find. <laughs> but when we get to that moment, it's that's my favorite time in the woods, man. We did it in Virginia last year. We doubled off the limb. Our day was over. We hung them birds up, and we sat on that mountain for probably an hour and just listened and just laid our heads back, closed our eyes, just relaxed. And it makes you realize that everything you've put into it, the e-scouting, the googling areas the hiking the mountains the listening before season you know the driving there the sleeping in your trucks just everything came together and boom it's over but i think that's i think more people should should focus on the little things in hunting and i think a lot of this discrepancy on social media would go away you know do i think people post things that they shouldn't absolutely i mean you see it all the time on social media. You look at something and you just, you kind of like, why the hell would they? Oh, and that, I mean, and that's, that's what social media wants. You know, they want the, want the guys typing back and forth to argue a topic because it, you know, boosts the algorithm and, you know, gets that traffic onto their app. And, you know, it, it's all a beast that we all created ourselves, but and it shouldn't be always taken negatively. That's the thing that makes me so mad because it's such a powerful tool. And it's, I, I don't think that there's anything that a true, you know, hunter that likes watching hunting um, quite looks forward to, like watching a hunting public, Dave Owens, Shane Simpson, you know, those episodes because it's relatable to you. They're regular average Joes that don't make a you know, they make good money, but they don't make millions of dollars doing this. Like they're doing it with basic equipment. They're doing it with, uh, you know, yes, they have time, but a lot of the time it's public land or it's areas they've gained access to. Like it's what you want to watch. So yeah, absolutely. I can be biased on this thing, but social media is such a cool, cool platform that opens a lot of eyes to different things, but it also opens eyes to things that probably shouldn't be. And us as hunters are, are the, are at fault i mean we're the ones to blame so yeah it's not it's like anything else there's always going to be that you know that bad apple that gives everybody a bad rap and ruins stuff for everybody but you know we just all have to do our own part and you know promoting the sport positively and you know if everybody just worries about themselves and and enjoy it you know if 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 you're happy with the bird or the animal that you harvest, you know, if it gets you jacked up and you're shaking as it's coming in and, you know, that's, that's what, that should be the only definition of, you know, a bird or a deer that you want to shoot. You know, if you get excited about it, when it comes in, you're, you're shaking and nervous and that's it. It doesn't matter what even your buddy that's sitting beside you thinks. I mean, if you're happy with it and it's harvested legally then you know that should be all you need to worry about yep just just do it the right way that you think is the right way and like you said keep it legal (laughs) yeah absolutely well that sounds like a good good time to end here i uh i gotta go give chase some camera lessons so yeah i gotta start driving around and putting some birds to bed uh waiting for the wife to come home and she knows tomorrow's turkey season, so she's got plans with her friends. I got plans with my friends. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a thing each year. I'm lucky. Her birthday falls on Cinco de Mayo, so the first week of turkey season. So I'm Really? Lucky That's enough. my birthday, too. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I'll have to start having parties yeah. again. Except for, <laughs> except for she's going out partying with her friends, and I'm just trying to get myself a birthday bird. <laughs> yeah, I've tried talking her into it for years. She's gone, yeah. but year coming up might be her time to shine so yeah i i've uh i've had some luck on my birthday my dad's killed a bunch of birds on my birthday and uh him and i actually doubled up twice on my birthday so that'll be a uh youtube video that we're going to be putting out here eventually but but yeah i'll have i'll have allison out with me tomorrow and uh 
we're gonna try to get get her one so she she only has saturdays to hunt so we're gonna try to make the most of it tomorrow whether it's raining or not so but so yeah good luck gonna, to you and i'm sure we'll be in contact yeah good luck to everybody listening and uh send us some pictures do our pages and uh we'd love to hear hear you guys' thoughts on everything we talked about and uh send us over some success photos and uh we'll post them up on our page all right good luck tomorrow buddy have a good one yep you too stay safe man all right guys so we're gonna wrap this one up here like i said don't forget to follow us on social media at creekside wildlife our youtube channel is creekside wildlife as well Uh, we're gonna be posting up some videos here and we're we got a lot of big plans for the the channel and stuff here as a group um we got a good group of guys we put together here this year and um we're anxious to get after it so um back40seedcompany.com creekside10 is the code for that you guys want to check out their website they got some awesome food plot seed that we've been using for a number of years here and uh like i said creekside10 get you 10 percent off that order cluckcustomcalls.com also creekside10 is the code for that 10 percent off that order uh, they make some awesome turkey calls great guys to deal with we've been working with them for a little bit here um just can't say anything bad about the companies that we work with um we got some awesome awesome partners so check those guys out and uh don't forget to follow us on social media and uh good luck this turkey season 